thank you for the word. We thank you for blessing us each and every day. Father, we thank you for being good to us. And Father, we appreciate uh, you giving us the spirit of God to live on the inside of us, to lead us and guide us in all truth. And Father, to grant unto us revelation, insight into your word and wisdom, Father. We thank you for these things. We give you the praise and the honor for them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Last week, I guess you watched the uh, uh, video from Lester Sumrall. I think it was the third uh, video of his, of his life. Of course, it wasn't his whole life because he was given the video, right? Uh, but uh, he was a very interesting person, wasn't he? And uh, one of the things about, uh, uh, you know, the, the Lord uses everybody different ways. And, um, you know, for, for Brother Sumrall, the Lord, he was really a bold person, very bold about things, you know, and and, um, and it's interesting because, you know, his ministry was slightly different than Brother Hagin's ministry. I think they were both uh, oper- stood in the office of the prophet. Uh, but, you know, Brother Hagin was really more prophet teacher. So his job was primarily to give insight into the word and to get us into the uh, to the faith of the word. And uh, uh, Brother Sumrall was really more of a, of a pure prophet in the sense of, uh, you know, part of the ministry of prophet is to kind of jerk the slack out of the church some and get us on the right path, keeping us on the right path. You know, the Old Testament, they would do that and then they get stoned and thrown in a hole somewhere or whatever. And they weren't treated very well. And, um, uh, and that ministry still is necessary in the church because we, we're the worst, you know, the church as a whole is just the worst to get off on the, all these crazy tangents and, you know, loopholes and, and uh, you know, uh, grace, uh, un, uh, infinite grace, just live however you want to. And, and it takes the prophets to come and... Uh, to have the boldness to say you you know you all are just wrong you know you all need to straighten up and um, you know the the problem with that uh, ministry is uh, many times people don't accept the ministry right now I think that's one reason why uh, the Lord said if you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet you receive a prophet's reward he never said that about the other ministry gifts he said that only about the ministry of the prophet and I think part of it is because the, the prophet's ministry can be it's not always but uh, you know if you have a heart to change and a heart to receive Prophet's ministry is easy to receive from. If you have a slightly rebellious heart and a I'm right and everybody else is wrong heart, the, it can be tough to receive because the prophet's ministry, you know, the Lord will speak to them and say, hey, this has got to straighten up. And I remember years ago with uh, 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 Dr. Dufresne, uh, uh, Dr. Dufresne was really close to Lester Sumrall. And you can really see very similarities between the two ministries. Uh, but one of the things that uh, the Lord had told Dr. Dufresne to deal with was at that time, and I remember it, uh, uh, back in the day, there was those uh, phone cards, right? And when long-distance calls were really expensive, and so these companies came up with some kind of deal, this phone card where you'd deal, call that number as a toll-free number, and they would route you to your other number at a reduced rate. Uh, and so it was a significant discount on, on the, the long-distance calls if you use that phone card. And it was like, kind of like a, like a cell phone. You recharge the minutes on that, right? So you got so many minutes per card. And so it was a nice setup for the companies that sold that. So what they did was they made it a multi-level marketing scheme, right? So uh, they would give you the cards. And if you, if, if you can get people under you to sell the cards, and then people under them would sell cards. And then, you know, the people at the top make money. And, you know, so it was a food chain, right? Uh, the more people under you, the more money you made. Well, they, uh, and, you know, Amway's been that way, Tupperware's been that way for years, right? Mary, oh, was it Mary Kay uh, uh, Cosmetics, you know, and I got no problem with it. It's just a business plan, right? It's not illegal. It's not even, not even Ill, uh, immoral. It's a, a pr- pretty good business plan, actually. And so, but they got into the church. 
and they, they basically figured out how if they can get to the pastor, the pastor can get the card and they get everybody in the church selling cards for him. Pastors get rich, right? Because if you've got a church four or 500 people, you've got, you know, maybe 50 people selling cards on your behalf. You're sitting back collecting pretty good money. So they figured out, these companies figured out how we'll get into the churches, get into the pastor's office and get him to get the sheep working for him. Well, that's insane, right? I mean, I think it's insane, but because, I mean, you're not my employee, right? And for me to use you to advance my personal finances is just, I mean, it, Jeremiah talks about pastors like that. He mentions pastors, you know. The Lord's going to take those pastors out. I mean, you know, if you want if, if you ever want to be a pastor, go read what Jeremiah has to say about pastors. You may want to think twice about being a pastor because there's a lot of responsibility, right? And so, so the Lord told Brother, uh, Dr. Frain, you go in and straighten that up. Uh, and uh, he said, Lord, I don't know how much want to do that, you know. Uh, and he said, you better or else kind of a thing, right? And so he did, and, and all of a sudden his phone stopped ringing. You know, you tell churches to quit making a bunch of money that's not really up on the up and up, they quit calling you. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, I mean, traveling ministers, they got to eat too like everybody else, and, and they don't have a church, you know, like, I mean, we got a church, and there's, I mean, if one or two you get mad, quit, quit giving, you know, everybody else would give anyway. And so, you know, for the most part, uh, church is sustainable as long as their the debt's not high and, you know, they, they manage their funds right. But a traveling minister, you know, I mean, it's just, um, it just go away, right? It could just dry up. And so he had to go to the Lord and get that uh, resolved because uh, he did. He did his job. And then, of course, the church punished him for doing his job. And... Um, you know, if it's if it's if they said something unbiblical, like, hey, give me money and, you know, you'll get a double portion of, of anointing because I, you give me money. Well, that's you know, that's wrong. And, and we would never put up with that anyway. But. But to come and say, hey, you know, pastors, you ought not be using using your people to advance your own personal finances. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that, you know, and, and the pastors should have all fell on their face and repented. And Lord, please forgive me for doing this, you know, and uh, and so. We need the ministry of the prophet. You know, Brother Randy stands in the office of the prophet. And, um, you know, he, he, had to, he had to do some straightening up uh, in Gatlinburg, you know, last week when we were up there. You know, he had to get, get the crew back online, you know, because, you know, I think I told you the, the, uh, the church as a whole had gotten really political, you know, and, and wanted their guy in the White House. And, and, you know, nothing wrong with wanting your guy in the White House, but you don't exchange your politics for the gospel, right? I mean, we're the, we're the church, right? We're supposed to be preaching the gospel. Politics is, is a necessary part of our civic duties on the, in the earth, but it doesn't rise above the duties of the church, right, to advance the kingdom of heaven. Uh, and regardless of who's in the White House, we can't advance the kingdom of heaven, right? Uh, and so uh, it, it really doesn't matter. Uh, it may be more difficult, but the Lord will always provide a way, amen, uh, to get the word out. And so... As, as hard as Facebook, you know, we're on Facebook actually right now, but as hard as Facebook and all these other uh, video companies are trying to constrain um, the voice of, of the church, you know, because I mean, if we say something against the homosexual crowd or the transgender crowd, and, you know, we ought, not be, we ought not be harming them and wishing them evil on them. But, you know, if we say that homosexuality is wrong or transgender is wrong, you know, they want children to take transgender chemicals right uh, medicine to convert their gender to the other gender well what, i mean we can't even let a child drive until they're 18 we don't want them to vote till they're 21 
but we can let them do a life-changing, irreversible in some cases, or, or def definitely physically damaging uh, chemical process uh, be because they're smart enough to figure out that, you know, I mean, it's just, it's just absurd that we as a, as a society would allow that to happen. And if they're adult, I mean, it's so dumb, but at least they're making their own decisions, right? And the church is always telling people, well, that's dumb. That's sin. You shouldn't do that. That's sin. You shouldn't do that. Uh, but, you know, some of these big companies want to shut the voice of the church off and say that, well, you know, you're speaking hate. It's hate to tell people it's okay to uh, be influenced by demonic uh, forces and to change your gender. That's real hate. Love says, uh, no, that's going to hurt you. Uh, and don't do that. Right. That's what that's real love. Uh, and uh, but, you know, I, uh, I think it was Isaiah that prophesied at some point in time. Everybody's going to say everything that is wrong is right and everything that's right is wrong. And it seems like we're living in that. I mean, people will say the craziest things like you really believe that. And I'm thinking this is not even rocket science. This is this is the simplest thing in the world. And you believe like opposite world. You know, you believe everything that is wrong, you know okay to do the it's most insane things right marry your dog or cat well you know that's really dumb right oh you hurt my feelings well don't be a snowflake and you know uh, but see they consider that hate speech well it's not hate we we wish no harm to anybody we wish to help everybody uh and, and i don't believe in i think they call it um uh, well, i don't know what they call it but uh you know there's some kind of a thing they, they talk about um, when you're trying to transition somebody out of a homosexual lifestyle into, into a heterosexual lifestyle, but uh, uh, some uh, uh, medical or psychological term for that. Well, we're not in psychology, psychiatry in the church. We're in the deliverance business. So we'll cast the devil out of you if that's what, if that's what it needs, right? We're not doing any psychiatry to get you to, to, to uh, change your thinking. We're, we're trying to get your mind renewed. It's a different process, right? Psychology is only working with the brain. The church is working with your spirit man. You get your spirit man strong enough, then you'll follow the word of God. Amen. Uh, and so, so you know, we, we need to be uh, we need to be aware. You know, being aware of politics is fine, but it's not our primary goal. Our primary goal is to help people. Amen. Uh, and if, you know, if all these big companies get to turn off the church, the, the Lord will figure out a way to get the word out. Right? I mean, it's. He'll raise up somebody and, and they will figure out how to make one of these platforms that the church can operate on without uh, uh, being uh, shut down. And, and, um, but the church has been around much longer than Facebook and much longer than the Lord's been around much longer than all these smart people that think they're so smart. And it's been around much longer than Google and YouTube and Facebook and, you know, even Vimeo. And, um, you know, it's against our community standards. Well, you know. Being a heathen is against our community standards, too. So there you go. Um, and so <laughs> and we're not mad at anybody. Uh, and, you know, right now we're still on. And I guess they don't they don't watch our watch our uh, videos too closely, you know. But um, but, you know, we do wish no harm on anybody And that. I think the church is the only way that we can get all this race uh, relations corrected. Uh, you get all this tension between people who don't like each other corrected uh, because from, from, the, from the Word of God's perspective, we have the ability to have differences of opinion and still walk in love. If we'll do that, we can get along with everybody. You know, the world says, you know, uh, we, we, we need to be uh, tolerant unless you don't believe the way I believe, and then we need to bury you somewhere. Well, that's kind of the very definition of being intolerant, right? Their definition of tolerance is, their definition of tolerance is believing exactly what they believe, and that's it. Well, you know, we don't, we believe what the church believes. We believe what the word of God says. Amen. But there's plenty of people in a church who are for same-sex marriage, who are for, you know, homosexuality, for, 
you know, basically everything the world's for. So, uh, but that's between them and the Lord. I, you know, not my job. He's the head of the church, right? So, um, our, our job is to find out what the Word of God says and to speak it boldly uh, and with, without fear of retribution. And, and one of the things I always liked that Dr. Dufresne said, he said, always do the will of God. He said, and, and leave the consequences of following his will with him. Because sometimes people are afraid, well, if I do this, the consequences will be bad for me. People won't like me. They'll turn off my account. You know, I won't get, I'll get a thumbs down on my account, you know. And that's, that's, not, that's not what motivates us, right? What motivates us is someday I've got to stand before the Lord Jesus. And he's going to ask me, did you tell him what I told you to tell him? And if we say, well, no, Lord, uh, I was going to get a, uh, 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 my likes were going to drop down if, if I said that. So I didn't do that, you know. It's not going to really fly well with the Lord, do you think? Uh, and so we're not trying to make people hate us. But, you know, they hate you. Jesus said they hated me, right? And if they hated me, they're going to hate you. And you know why they hate you? Because you breathe air. It's not because you've done anything in particular. It's not because you've gone out and shot anybody or buried somebody or slapped somebody or even said something that was maybe, you know, somebody felt was unkind. It's because you breathe air uh, and you're a child of God. And the spirit of uh, the enemy, the spirit of the Antichrist is in the world today, the Bible says. It's right now. Antichrist, anti-Messiah, anti-anointing. Anywhere the spirit of God is, is, is around, the world hates it. And they don't even know why they hate it. I mean, you ask them why they hate it. It's like, because. <laughs> You know, at least have a brain, have a, have a, be able to be able to articulate why you hate it. Well, you're just all wrong. Uh, specifically about what? Name me one thing that the church is wrong about. Because the church will, will get everybody perfectly prosperous, everybody perfectly healthy, everybody perfectly full of joy, everybody perfectly uh, aligned with walking in love. How, what's wrong with any of that, right? Uh, but the only way to do that is, is, is to admit that there is a higher power, that we follow him, and that he's the only one who has a right to tell us what the rules are. And that's where the rebellion of mankind comes in. There's always rebellion in man's hearts. They want nobody telling them what to do. Uh, and they want no constraints. Uh, and as long as there's any constraints in the world, uh, they will hate you. And the whole job of the church is to constrain the flesh and to allow the spirit to prosper. Uh, and as soon as the church says, well, you know, you ought not do that with your flesh, they will hate you for that. Uh, but I tell them that because it will harm them if they continue with it in their flesh. Because you think the devil's going to be on their side? You know, and, and of course you've got to take it with a grain of salt. But I've read plenty of stories of people that the, that the Lord has allowed them to see into the, into the realms of the, of the, of the damned and, and hell. And, and one of the things they, they observed was so many people were there that were told a lie that if you follow me as the devil, as your Lord, I will give you a great place to reign. And he said those people were, were always the most punished because it brought the devil the most joy to lie to that person to that extent to get them to mislead so many other people hoping that someday when they die they could be some prince in the, the, the realm, of, realm of the damned and, and they're the wor- people with the worst torment because the devil just loves tormenting people that ha, I lied to you all the time and you thought you were going to be somebody and you're just, you're nothing. Uh, and because that's just the way the devil would do, right? I mean, that's the worst betrayal that you can imagine. You know, serving somebody all your life, thinking that you're going to get a position when you die, and then you get buried in the you know the deepest, darkest hole with the most torment. Uh, and of course, he's you know he's he does that because he knows someday he's going to be in the lake of fire. So 
because um, uh, he's read the end of the book just like we have too, right? He knows what's going to happen. He's trying to delay it as possible, uh, as long as possible, but it, it'll happen. And he'll be thrown in a lake of fire and, and, uh, and all of those tears will be dried up that he's brought into the lives of mankind. And so um, it's, uh, we've got to speak the truth, amen? Uh, we don't speak hate. Uh, we don't, and we don't do it unkindly, right? Uh, and um, one of the things I've been most disappointed in Christians when I see them be repelled by sin uh, instead, of, instead of allowing the compassion of the Lord to rise up when they see people under the slavery of sin. You know, and I'm not talking about people that are militant and out there, you know, trying to destroy the church. I'm talking about just regular people, just they don't know any better. You know, they're in, a, in some kind of relationship they ought not be, whether it's same-sex marriage or out-of-marriage wedlock, you know, out-of-wedlock, out of you know, uh, sleeping together um, or, you know, drugs or, you know, whatever it is. You know, when we see people like that, our, the compassion of the Lord should rise up instead of going, ooh, a sinner. Wow. I mean, that just, to me, that's just, my reaction is almost, ooh, a self-righteous person. Yuck, you know. I mean, it, to me, it's, it's more, way more distasteful to see a child of God look down upon a sinner than it is to see the sinner themselves. I mean, a sinner, it's like, well, that's what they do. They're sinners, right? Why, why, is, why does that repulse me, you know? And I, I know certain sins are repulsive just because of the nature of them. But just, you know, God loves everybody. The Bible says that God so loved the whole world. He didn't say God loved the whole world, but really only the good ones, you know. The bad ones, no way, you know. Uh, that's not what Jesus came for everybody, right? And until they breathe their last breath on the air, there's a, uh, on the earth, there's a shot. They've got a shot to, to accept the Lord Jesus and spend eternity in heaven. Uh, and we as a church need to stay the course and, and to speak the truth uh, and never waver. And I've, I've had people, you know, tell them, well, you know, my relative, you know, they, uh, they were homosexual and they were born that way. I said, no, they weren't. And they never came back to church. Not my problem. Because if you believe that they were born that way, then, you, then, there's no, then they don't have a choice. If they don't have a choice, then none of the, nothing in the Bible is true. Everything you do is a choice, amen? amen. Every lifestyle that you do, every, everything you like or don't like, it's a choice. Because you like something today, you know, if the doctor told you, hey, don't do that, you would stop liking it. I can guarantee you that you'd stop liking it, you know? Uh, how many smokers have quit smoking because the doctor said, if you take another drag, you're going to die? And, and I'm sure some people fell back into it, but there's all kinds of people who just stopped smoking because the doctor said, you need to stop smoking or... Stop eating French fries or stop eating, you know, moose tracks ice cream. And, you know, I don't want to go to the doctor because I don't want him to tell me that, you know. And so, uh, you know, it's uh, uh, how many people have stopped liking things because the doctor's orders, you know. And, and at some point in time, you know, I don't, even, I don't even desire that anymore. Wow, that sounds like somebody who has a choice. Uh, and if you stay away from, from wrong decisions long enough, you'll realize, you know, I don't even want to do that anymore. Wow, that's amazing. You have a choice. Because from the very day of your birth, you've had a choice in every decision, you, everything you've done in your life. It's been a choice, amen? Uh, and so, but you know, the next person comes along and says, well, you know, so-and-so, they've been a homosexual all their life. They were born that way. No, they weren't. Now, that's not hate speech. It's just the reality of what the Word of God teaches us, amen? Uh, and, um, you know, I've always felt like, I, you know, if you're a man, I always felt like I was a woman. Well, then don't listen to that voice. That right there is a voice, right? It's not from heaven, and it's not from the word of God. It's from the devil. Uh, and, and uh, you know, he, he will, uh, you know, he's probably told everybody, every single man in the world that, he, that they're a woman. And, and 99% of the men go, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, you know? I mean, I've got a mirror. I know, I know exactly what I am. Um, but the 1% who will pause, well, maybe there's something to that. Then that's the ones he's trying to get to, right? 
and, and so, uh, and the other 99%, he'll find something, you know, that they like and he will push on that button as long as he can, right? Until someday you say, well, I don't really like that anymore. Uh, and then all will be well, amen? So we don't hate, we don't hate anybody. We, in fact, we love people more than the world will ever know, more than, more than the world will ever have the ability to love them. We have the greater capacity to love the world than, than the entire world put together. One Christian has got more capacity to love than the entire world combined because we have the love of God in our hearts. Uh, and so we can love every sinner uh, and we can stay the course and we don't have to compromise to get people to like us uh, because that's the dumbest thing in the world to compromise to get people to like you. Are, are they going to get you to heaven? Or, or do you have to stand before their throne when you, when you die and, and stand before the Lord Jesus? Are you, do you ever have to answer to them? No. Uh, well, they got money. Well, the Lord walks, walks in the streets of gold. Amen. But there's so, many, so much pressure in the church to compromise, to, to stop saying the truth, to stop saying what the word of God says, and to become just a moose lodge and a JC or, you know, a pep rally. Oh, y'all are wonderful. I'm wonderful. You're wonderful. We're all wonderful. Uh, and then leave out of here with no power and no ability to overcome. Uh, and what kind of life was that, you know? Uh, and so, I, you know, when I got born again, I was excited about, fi- wow, I, the, the, the word can get me to where I, can want, where I want to be. And if I believe the word, I can become the person that I want to become. Uh, and, and, you know, for the last 40 years, I have worked to try to become the person that I desire to be because I can see in the word of God that, that there is a better person in the word of God than I am today. Uh, and in order to do that, I have to be willing to yield to the word of God when it's, when it's in conflict to what I think at the moment. Uh, and, you know, and I've done that more times than I could probably imagine. That, oh, well, I thought that, but the word of God says this, so I think I should change. Uh, and, uh, and so we have, we're the only ones who have the answer for everybody's woes in the world. Uh, every person that's dealing with mental illness, we have the answer. Every person dealing with physical illness, we have the answer. Every person dealing with financial problems, we have the answer. Every person dealing with, with depression and sadness, uh, we have the answer. We have the only answer. We have the ultimate answer, the permanent answer. Uh, you know, you can take a pill, that, and that, praise God, the pill will help you stay alive long enough to, to get the real answer, but that's only a temporary, that, and that, and it's not even a very good answer, right? It does help many people, and we thank God for that, but it's not the best answer, amen? We have the best answer, and, uh, and I'm convinced of that. I'm convinced of it from the Word of God and studying it uh, over these many years that the church is the only one who has the answers to help all the world's problems. All the fighting and stuff going on out there, we can fix it all. Now, you know, it's not really our job to get involved in the politics and that kind of thing. But, you know, the people that come into the church, if we'll change their hearts, then it'll change the world. Amen. And that's really our job. And, and I believe we can do it. Uh, and even, you know, a small group like we have here, we have the ability to change the course and the direction of this city. Amen. Amen. We don't need a thousand people to do that. You know, we'll be glad to have a thousand people, but we don't need a thousand people to change the world. Uh, you know, we change it one one city at a time. Amen. Uh, and so. So praise God, we have been talking about prayer. And really, I, I believe that prayer is the path to us arriving where we want to be. Amen. Uh, and and uh, before we left, uh, we had talked about uh, the prayer of uh, praise and worship. And um, you remember what Jesus said in John chapter 4. In fact, I think it'd be good just to just read that again there. Um, in John chapter 4, Jesus was, was uh, with the woman at the well, and he said, uh, ye worship, uh, well, in, in verse 21, Jesus said unto her, woman, 
Believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither uh, in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, you know not what. So he's telling this person who's not of the covenant of Abraham that, that they may be worshiping something, but you don't even know what you're worshiping. And everybody that's, out, that's outside the church, they're worshiping something, but they don't even know. You remember when Paul was in, was in um, uh, Athens, was in, when he went to Greece, uh, that uh, uh, it, it was a pagan city and they had all kinds of pagan uh, temples and, and different things to worship. Uh, and, uh, you know, so they had um, like Artemis and, you know, uh, Diana, you know, different ones, you know, I don't know if they had all those there at that particular uh, uh, Athens there, but, uh, but to cover the bases, they had, uh, had some kind of a statue or something that said, to the unknown God. That way they cover all the bases, right? So we got all the ones we know, but then there's probably some we don't know, so here's one to the unknown God. That's just, you, didn't, you really don't know what you're worshiping at all, right? And so they don't know what they're worshiping. The world doesn't know what they worship, and they'll say, oh, this guy's the smartest guy in the world. You know, Bill Gates or, you know, uh, uh, Stephen Hawkins, you know, he, he was some uh, astrophysicist, you know. It's like, he's dumb, one of the dumbest people I've ever heard, you know, doesn't, doesn't believe in God. I mean, that, that should be like, you know, starting out. You've got to believe in God, and then you become a scientist, right? If you're a scientist but don't believe in God, that, that's just, have you ever stepped outside and, and looked at a tree or a blade of grass or a bug? If you looked at any of those, you'd have to know there's a God somewhere, right? I mean, if you don't know which God it is, at least you know there's a God. Because uh, the Lord said, creation testifies of him. Uh, and, you know, anybody with an open heart and, a, and an open mind would, would yield to that thought and go, there's got to be a God somewhere. I'm going to have to find him. And they would find him because the Lord would, would re, if somebody's looking for him, he said, seek and you'll what? Find. So the reason why they don't believe in God, they ain't been looking. Uh, and so that is not my fault, right? Uh, and it's not the Lord's fault. Because he said, if you look for me, you'll find me. Uh, and uh, he said, if you step outside, look at every look at a creation, you'll know that I, I exist. And so come and find me. And so, so Jesus said, you know, you don't know what you're worshiping, but you don't know what you're worshiping. Uh, and he said, uh, uh, we know what we worship. So we as the church, we know what we worship. And we know what the only thing to worship is the Lord God. Amen. He's the only God. People are not worthy to be worshiped. No created thing is worthy to be worshipped. Money, for sure, not worthy to be worshipped. Amen. People worship it. People worship people. Uh, you know, I'm always amazed that people worship celebrities, right? I mean, as if, based on what? I mean, what have they done? Okay, they played in a movie. You know, I mean, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but in sixth grade, I was Santa Claus in the Christmas play. I mean, you know, we can have a signing after the service. If you want. I mean, and I was a good Santa Claus, right? And that was my entire acting career, I think, was in sixth grade. Uh, and um, uh, I mean, uh, my sixth grade uh, performance was every bit as valuable as the performance of these actors, you know. And, and I, you know, I'm not trying to, to diminish them, you know. It's just it's just entertainment. So what have they really added to the world? You know, people but people would just uh, just fall down and worship these people because they're money and they they got position and their name recognition. And it's like. I mean, what have they done to help the world? You know, you go see them. You know, the, the, most, the most amazing one is when the, the Congress of the United States invites a, an actor to get up and testify about something, right? Uh, some environmental disaster or some, you know, this or that. It's like, you know, they're an actor, right? They just, they just read stuff. That, that's really all they do. They don't really have a degree in environmental science or a degree, you know, they're just actors, right? And yet, but somehow we, we love to fawn over these famous people uh, you know uh, one of the most amazing people i've ever met uh, 
was a pastor uh, from Belarus. Uh, he pastored 11 people. Now, he may have grown since then, I don't know. But, uh, uh, and I, was, I spent a week with him one time at uh, a youth camp. And, um, uh, you know, he made an impression on my life. Just, uh, uh, and, and it's really hard to even pin down what it was. But just being around him, he said, this, this man knows the Lord. Uh, and just being around him in, uh, challenged you to become a better person. You know, he, didn't, he never said anything to me as far as, well, you need to do this or that. But just being around him. Uh, and, and, you know, the world will probably never know his name. But I can guarantee you when we get to heaven, his name will be somewhere, you know, and he would never admit that. But, but you know, I know how the Lord works. You know, uh, he will exalt everybody in due season and somebody's due season maybe after they breathe their last breath on the earth. Uh, and, um, um, but, you know, the world could care less about some pastor in Belarus with a small church that nobody's ever heard of. Uh, and uh, if I can be the man that he that he is, you know, someday I will have felt like I've accomplished something. Right. Uh, and, you know, of course, the Lord's always had me to follow Brother Hagen. But, you know, when Brother Hagen was 55 years old. Nobody ever heard of him. He you know, he was a traveling minister. Few people have heard of, him, you know, really. I mean, as far as the, being on the world scene. I mean, he's 55 years old, you know, middle age. Nobody ever heard of him. It was a few years after that that he started Rama. Uh, and that uh, he became a worldwide uh, author and, and uh, speaker. And, uh, you know, I mean, we'd go to his camp meeting, there'd be 20,000 people at one meeting just to hear Brother Hagen speak. Um, and, uh, but he lived in obscurity for most of his life. For decades, people didn't know who he was, as far as, you know, the general populace, you know. And even, even that, outside the church, I mean, if you went up to some stranger who wasn't, wasn't a Christian and you asked him who Kenneth Hagin was, they'd be like, well, no, I don't know who that is, right? And if you even ask most churches, most denominational churches, they won't know what he's like. And if you ask even most Pentecostal churches that aren't kind of in the word of faith movement, just Pentecostal, traditional Pentecostal, they probably wouldn't know who Brother Hagin was. Uh, and yet uh, he walked more in love for the love of God probably than any man I've ever heard speak, you know, listen to his stories and, and how he operated in love and how he yielded to the spirit of God and these different things. And people even said things about him that, well, he had character flaws because he wouldn't deal with this or would deal with that. But everything he did, he was motivated by love. Uh, and, and if I could be that person that he was before he left the earth, I, I, you know, if I could be half the person he was, you know, I would have felt like I had accomplished something. And so the world elevates these people that they got nothing to add to me, right? I mean, they're an entertainer. And, and, I, and I, I wish no harm on these people, clearly. But when I look at their life, they got nothing they want to add to my life. I look at their life, it's like, I don't want to be like that, you know. Because the Bible talks about, and the Proverbs talks about clouds and wind without rain. You know, that's somebody who's sitting, who's sitting before the Congress of the United States and testifying about some ec uh, e ecological disaster with no experience or education in that area. They're just, they, they, you know, they played a, a, uh, a doctor on TV. That was it, right? And so what credentials do they have? Well, they have no credentials, right? And if they did have the credentials, you know, I mean, uh, you know, probably wouldn't want to listen to anyway, right? But um, I want to listen to the Lord. And so he said, uh, the, uh, the, in verse uh, uh, 22, we know what we worship. So I don't worship anybody, amen? 
And I've had been accused of worshiping Brother Hagin, but I don't worship him. He's not a God. He's not, you know, he's just a, he is an example of somebody's faith that I pursue and that would like to be like that. But as far as elevating to the level of worship, not even close, right? Because I know who I worship. I worship the Lord God only. Uh, and, uh, and he says, uh, if, uh, if we know what we worship, he said, for salvation is of the Jews. But now salvation is of the church, right? So salvation came from the Jewish nation. They were supposed to move right on into becoming Christians. It was always the plan of God that the nation of Israel moved from being the nation of Israel of Old Testament Jehovah to the nation of Israel, New Testament, uh, the Lord God. That was always the intent of the Lord. That was, they were the chosen people. Uh, and, and many Jews came along, right? I mean, every, every apostle was a Jew, right? Every writer of the New Testament was a Jew. Uh, every evangelist of the first church was a Jew. So it was always the Lord's attention. That, but, you know, the, there were plenty of Jews who came across, but the nation themselves didn't, right? The, the, the leaders in the nation wouldn't do it. Uh, and so, so now salvation is of the church. He said, but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. So real worship is done by the spirit, right? It's not done by the flesh. And that's the, that's the difficulty that the church is struggling with right now. Because there's so much desire to worship in the flesh. Because if you worship in the flesh... You know, your flesh gets, gets motivated and, and then you start doing things in the flesh, right? So if we get all your flesh worked up, then you all want to come back to church. Uh, not you all. You all have been trained better than that. But, you know, a lot of, pe- a lot of uh, unfortunately, pastors, will, they know the trick that if they can get people motivated in the flesh, they can keep them. Uh, because it really, it's, it's, uh, it's unfortunate. It's generally more difficult to get people motivated in the spirit because... They have to undo a lot of training, right? Because you've been trained all your life to listen to your five senses and to, to react to your five senses and to react to the environment around you and not to, not to pursue the Spirit of God and react to Him and His leading. And so it takes a lot of training for the church to learn how to yield to the Spirit and learn how to sense the Spirit of God. Uh, but if you can do that, if you can train the, the church how to be led by the Spirit of God, remember what Galatians 5.16 says, that if you walk in the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the what? The lust of the flesh, right? So really the only thing we should be teaching you is how to be led by the Spirit of God, right? How to sense the Spirit of God and move by the Spirit of God because the, uh, the, the, uh, the Lord said that if you do that, then the amount of sin that you walk in is diminished. Well, that should be a goal, right? Instead of preaching hard against sin and getting everybody to just have the appearance of being sinless because you can quit being a sinner, but still, I mean, you can quit sinning but still be a sinner, right? Uh, you know, you just, well, I'm just, just going to hide it now. Because a lot of people hide it, right? Uh, instead of, so instead of, instead of changing who they are and yielding to the Spirit, they just hide who they are. You know, a lot of the church says, well, you can be a homosexual, you just can't be a practicing homosexual. Well, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You know, you just, you just, just change your thinking, right? Get your mind renewed. And then you won't, you, won't, you know, of course, you know, the, the whole mantra with um, like uh, Alcoholics Anonymous you're always an alcoholic, right? Even after you quit drinking, you, then you get the little coin, right? That you get a coin for every year and you strive to get the five-year coin and the 10-year coin. And, and then, uh, you know, I've been, I've been dry for 10 years, you know, but they get up and say, so-and-so, I'm an alcoholic, you know. So they're still an alcoholic. They're just not a practicing alcoholic. Well, that's not, that's not what we do in the church. The Bible says put off the old man, 
he didn't say hide him and bury him. He said, put off the old man. So we have the ability, which is a better ability to put off the old man. Now he's not a bother to you than hiding him and he's always there. And, uh, you know, every now and then he'll rear his ugly head and, and then you're stuck with the old man again, right? So we have a, we have a better deal in a church. We can get rid of the old man. We can, if, if you practice homosexuality in the past, you know, whatever, but um, we can get you out of that. And then you, then you can be a regular person, right? And, and um, uh, well, you know, am I a diminished person because of that? You know, you're a, you're a slave to sin. That's what you are. It's, it's not... It, it's not unusual, right? It's just garden variety sin, like every other sin. It, uh, it's it's a it's an affront to the will of God and the plan of God, uh, and um, just like lying and cheating and stealing and harming the innocent, right? Uh, I mean, all of those things are affronts against God. And they go and, and murder a baby in abortion, and somehow that's okay. <laughs> we say, well, you know, that's wrong. And they're like, well, you you know, you guys are terrible people, you know. And they get the whole argument about a woman's body, right? And uh, and you know, you think, well. Every law just about that's written is there to constrain what you can do with your body, right? So you can't run through a red light and run over people. So they're telling you constrain your body. Don't do that, right? You can't go and shoot somebody. That's a constraint of what you do with your body. What's my body? I can do whatever I want to with it. Well, it is unless it harms somebody else. And for the most part, you know, laws are said, well, as long as you don't harm anybody, you know, none of our business. Uh, and, and that's a general principle even of the Old Testament. Now, there's plenty of things that are specific in there about sins, but the majority of laws are written to constrain your body from harming somebody else. Well, abortion is no different. I mean, you had the right to choose before you got pregnant to, to get pregnant. I mean, and then a choice, you know. Uh, and so then, then now you're pregnant. Now you want to harm another person's body, which is your child. How is that okay? You know, I mean, it's just... Uh, and 99 percent of abortions are just due to, to lifestyle decisions. Well, I don't want to have a baby now. Okay, fine. Then don't get pregnant to begin with, right? Uh, well, you know, you're a man. You don't have a right to choose. I didn't choose this. The Lord chose this, right? The Lord said, first of all, uh, wait till you're married to have sex, and because you have a covenant there, and 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 part of the purpose of sex, not the only one, but part of it is to is to reproduce and have children, uh, and so. Uh, if you wait, if, if if people wait to do that, you know, well, you know, it's none of your business what I do with do with my body. Well, I'm not I'm not the Lord. I didn't write, I didn't write this stuff. You know, the Lord wrote it. Uh, and so, you know, the, all of these arguments, you know, they, they don't make any sense, right? People, well, you know, I have a right to choose. We all have a right to choose. All of us have had a right to choose every day. I have a choose. You know, I choose life. That's my Bible says choose life, right? Uh, and so. Uh, so the church is struggling with with the praise and worship, you know, especially in the area of praise and worship, because um, some people are really uncomfortable when the presence of God increases. It makes some people really uncomfortable. And usually it's the people who are in rebellion, right? Because rebellion and the spirit of God, they don't really coexist very well. Because who's the root of all rebellion? Well, the devil, right? The devil does, wants the least thing to do with the presence of God, right? And so... Uh, uh, and so now if you just keep it at a very carnal level, at a very fleshly level where you just hip hopping and jumping up and down and doing carnal music, uh, then um, uh, what was that song? Brother Randy said they, that they're singing at some church. Some, uh, do you remember what he was talking? He, uh, he, he was mentioned, said uh, he heard about some church that opened up their song service with some secular song. Right. Oh, yeah, it was uh, Joe yeah. Joe Cochran song. Yeah. I don't remember. Name, but but. Um, I mean, the churches are doing that, right? Well, you know, I mean, I don't even know what song it was because I don't know, you know. Uh, 
some people could tell you, oh yeah, that's so and so sang that song and it, you know released in 1973, you know, on a double album. And I mean, I may recognize some of the words of the song, but uh, I've just never been really good at uh, at, uh, at uh, remembering all the words to songs like that. It's just not my thing, and and so I just make them up most of the time. But but some of the churches are doing that. They're they're starting out with secular music. Well, why are they doing that? Well, they want you. They want you. The church to be at ease. But really, they're, they're mislabeling that. They're really wanting your flesh to be at ease. Because your spirit is always, because Jesus said your spirit is what worships God. And your spirit is designed to worship God. Uh, and it was designed to worship God because it is God. It came from God, right? Uh, he is the father of spirits. So it has a natural desire to worship God. Uh, and, uh, but if your flesh is stronger than your spirit, then your flesh wants to be entertained. And so a lot of churches will, will work on entertaining your flesh instead of promoting your spirit. And again, you know, uh, if they do that, then there's a certain number of people that are going to stay because their flesh can be satisfied. And, and it's unfortunate, just, but it is the way it is. It's a marketing, right? It's a, they figure out how to market to the flesh. Uh, and uh, they figure out how to do that. And, you know, the flesh crowd's always bigger than a spirit crowd. It always has been that way. Always will be that way until the Lord shows up, you know. And, and uh, you know, there's revivals and sometimes the, the spirit crowd will get bigger. And, you know, and, and I believe there's coming a day when the spirit crowd will get bigger again. And the you know, people that really desire to worship the Lord in spirit and truth and get rid of all this carnality. And, uh, and, and uh, but it won't ever be gone entirely because as long as there's people, there's going to be carnality in the church, right? And so are we mad at anybody? Well, not mad at anybody, you know. Because uh, I think after a while, people get tired of not having any answers, right? If all, if all you do is speak to your flesh, oh, yeah. there's no answers in that, and there's no overcoming power in that. And after a while, it's like, wow, I never win. Well, I always win. Every day I win, every day. Overcome, every day. Uh, and, and the only way you're going to do that is by living in the Spirit. Uh, and so Jesus said that, uh, that the, the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and truth. So what's, what are all those worshipers who are not worshiping in, the, in, the, in spirit and truth? But not the true worshipers, right? You know, uh, we were at a church one time and they had praise and worship. We were visiting and they had praise and worship. You know, it's okay, praise and worship. Nothing, nothing bad or good, just kind of okay, praise and worship. And then, then they sang the song and then after that song was done, they all left. The whole praise and worship team exited stage right. And like, well, but the pastor didn't come on the scene. So we're like, well, we don't know what's going on. You know, they just all left. You remember that, right? And, and, they all, <laughs> and then about five minutes later, they all came back. But they had on jumpsuits, right? So they had just regular church clothes on before. Now they had like onesies, right? Like you have when they put a baby on. And, and, um, and they started breakdancing. Some song, you know. And, and then, and, and it wasn't just breakdancing. They started bumping and grinding like, you know, you see on a, like a, you know, like at a bar scene or something. And I'm thinking, you know, am I old enough to even see this? You know, I'm thinking, this is, this is kind of absurd here. You know, I, I wanted to raise my hand and go, can we go back to that? Other songs were actually worshiping God and not worshiping the flesh. And, uh, and, but, you know, that, and that's been a long time ago. But has anything changed? I mean, the church is still not worshiping him in spirit and truth, right? They want to worship him in the flesh because the, the crowd that they want to draw is the crowd that wants their flesh appeased. And the problem with that is you're not helping a single person. There's not a single person who will be a better, more overcoming Christian by teaching them how to yield to their flesh and, and song. Because one of the greatest ways to learn how to be led by the Spirit of God and to then walk in the Spirit and to not fulfill the lust of the flesh is 
to put people in the presence of God in worship. Uh, because that way, even if they don't know how to yield to him, they can sense him. And the next time the Lord gives them an unction when they're at Walmart, say, hey, don't do that. They're like, hey, you know, it's the same spirit I sensed when I was at church. So there must be God. That's part of the, you know, it's not the only purpose of it. You know, the first purpose to worship is to exalt the one who's worthy. Right? That's why we worship God, right? He's the only one worthy to be worshiped. Uh, and so, and Jesus said the Father seeks such to worship. And he's looking for that. So, so what's going on with the flesh crowd? Is the Lord looking for them? He is so far from them. And, and you know, uh, they don't even know it. That's the sad part is he's so far from that worship. They don't even know it. Now their flesh is all excited, right? They're jumping and da- up and down, you know, and I got no problem with dancing the Holy Ghost. You know, I got no problem with clapping. I got no problem with, you know, with uh, being excited for the Lord and, and raising our voice. I got no problem with any of that. But it's to exalt him, right? But if, if our goal is to exalt their flesh and sing some Joe Cochran song, you know, <laughs> it's uh, it just, uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, because the last thing I want is, is Lord, where you been? I, well, he said, I've been looking for somebody else to worship me. You know, how come you haven't been in our church? Well, uh, you know, I, I'm looking for somebody to worship me. I ain't found him yet. You know, I mean, how many times has the Lord looked for somebody who couldn't find him? He looked for, didn't he look for an intercessor one time? How many did he find? No one. Isn't that crazy? The Lord looked for one intercessor, couldn't find one. Now, and, and I really believe that's why Abraham was the 20th generation from Adam. Because the Lord was looking for an Abraham. Hey, you want to be an Abraham? No, that sounds busy. No. Hey, you want to be an Abraham? No. What do I get to accept the covenant? I'll get circumcised. No, 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 no. If I had to just pay a nickel, I could do it, right? But circumcised, no, I ain't doing that. You know, that, that sounds painful, right? Uh, I mean, how many people you reckon he went up to to see, hey, hey, you want to be an Abraham? Hey, you want to be an Abraham? Hey, you want to be an Abraham? Nope, nope, nope. And 20 generations of Abraham's time was a long time, right? Because they lived a long time, right? A thousand years. I mean, that, you know, that's, that's, you know, average lifespan of, of, of American today is about 70 years. So that's, you know, 10, 15, that's 15 generations or so uh, uh, for one generation of them, right? So 20 generations is 300 generations of ours or so. That's a long time. 300 generations can't find anybody. So the Lord's all the time looking. And a lot of times he can't find. He, he cannot find. So, you know, what I want more than anything else is when we strike the first chord uh, on the first song, the Lord's going to go, what was that? Hey, let's go see. Let's go see. Let's go. And, and you know, the, the Bible says the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. So he comes, he, he chooses to come in his presence and joins up with us when we worship him. Uh, to me, there's no more sacred thing you can do than to worship the, the Most High God. Uh, there's, there's nothing more valuable as a people that we could do than to do that. Uh, and our faith grows and, uh, and our, our understanding of the Spirit of God grows when we do that. And we just feel better, too. I mean, you, just, you know, there's a lot of times I think we could just you know, sing the last song. Y'all go home. I mean, we, we've accomplished everything we needed to accomplish today. You know, I feel better. You feel better. Uh, all is well, right? We could do that. I mean, you know, now it'd be hard for me to do that because I want to always teach, you know, well, let's open up the Bible, let's, let's say something, right? But, uh, but the Lord's doing that. He's looking. I want him to find me. Don't, don't you want him to find you? 
He's not looking for Joe Cochran in church. I can guarantee you. They strike up a Joe Cochran song. He's going, yeah, yeah, sorry, I got to go somewhere else, you know. I can guarantee you the Lord is far from that church. Far. Uh, uh, I mean, we, remember we heard, they sang, what was the song? Uh, Makes me want to shout, right? Lift up my hands and shout. It's got to be Christian, right? Because you lift up your hands, right? The Lord was not, he was not anywhere near. You know, I'm thinking, I'm going to find the Lord because he, he ain't looking here. So I'm going to go find him because he ain't here. I'm going to go find him somewhere else. And, and uh, I remember we were at a church with my pastor one time and, and uh, we were visiting somewhere and they started singing. And it was a Christian song, but there was a lady playing a tambourine and you thought she was playing a tambourine at a bar. I mean, she started making moves that, you know, you don't make those moves in church, right? I mean, you know, I mean, and so, you know, we're kind of doing, we're on the front row, you know, so we're kind of doing this right here. It's like, can somebody put a curtain on that, right? Uh, you know, it's just because it was just carnal. It's just You don't move like that in church, you know. I mean, that's just, you know, you move like that with your husband behind the closed doors maybe, but, uh, you know, uh, and, but, you know, maybe she wasn't trained or something, you know, because it wasn't a church. It was just her, right? Just, but uh, she loved the tambourine, I guess, you know, more than anything. And so, uh, you know, and for that one, I, it was probably more just her immaturity than it was anything, right? Uh, but there's a lot of churches that are doing things to worship God in, in flesh, uh, in the flesh, right? Yeah. And um, we will never get to where we want to be as, as a human race by worshiping the flesh, by elevating the flesh in worship. Because, I mean, the Lord is, Lord, he literally says he's seeking. That means that he's not being able to find uh, where, what he's looking for, right? Because if he found it, he'd stop looking, right? And so... I want him to find us. Don't you want him to find us? Uh, and, and he will, right? And I, I believe he does because our goal is always to, always to worship him every single service. And, and, you know, it's unfortunate we can't broadcast our, our worship uh, on the, online because of copyright issues, and I understand that. You know, no problem with that. But, um, you know, the people that are online, they miss out, you know. Uh, and I know, I mean, I can understand. You know, we, it's unfortunate we can't do that. But uh, now if we wrote all of our own songs, you know, and, and uh, we produced all of our own songs and, and someday maybe we can do that, but you know today we can't do that, and so uh, so we we play anointed songs that somebody else has written, right? But unfortunately they're copyrighted, and, and we got put in copyright jail for a minute because we I think we were playing just before service. You know we play music, right? And that was playing one time on one of the videos, and we got put in in, uh, in Facebook jail for uh, a service. You know, hey, we had to turn off your music, right? It's like whatever, you know, grow up, would you? Uh, and so, uh, but we will worship him, right? Uh, and he said. Um, uh, God is a spirit and they that worship him must, must, is that optional? Must worship him in spirit and truth. Uh, and it's unfortunate that there's so many churches who feel like they must worship him in the flesh. And, and you know, to me, it's not, it's not even an issue of the people that attend there. It's my concern is the leadership because what is the leadership teaching the people? That all you got to do is be in the flesh and look like you're doing good things and God's pleased. The only thing that pleases God is faith. Things that we do, that's not what pleases God. If we can do those things in faith, that's fine. But if we're just doing them just to do them, get checkmark Christianity, God's not pleased by that. That's not what pleases him, right? He's not necessarily displeased by it. He's displeased by the fact that you're not walking in faith. But, um, and I've had people tell me, well, you can't argue with success. And see, their level, their measure of success is seats filled, Right? My measure of success is the number of overcomers we produce. Uh, and uh, if you're an overcomer, and I believe many of you are, if not all of you are, overcomers, then uh, we've succeeded, right? 
uh, and, and um, uh, I can guarantee you, nobody be an overcomer in a flesh church. Uh, and uh, and it's sad. It's you know they go to church all those years, uh, and uh, and some of you told me you know before that I went to church you know growing up all those years never learned anything. Nothing. I mean you know and of course I didn't grow up in denominational church so I don't know, but that's sad, right? That's sad to go to church all those years, and not be able to just look at the devil in the face and go no. I win, not you. Uh, and, uh, and so, so uh, he said God is a spirit. So if God is a spirit, and he's a spirit because the Lord said he's a spirit, right? He's a spirit. Then the only way that we can worship him is to worship him in the spirit. It doesn't say that God is a soul. It doesn't say God is flesh. It says God is a spirit. Uh, and the realm of the spirit and the move of the spirit and the operation of the spirit it's one of the most important things that a church can learn. Uh, and the ministry needs to learn that, right? The ministry needs to learn that and, 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 and uh, impart that into the church. Uh, and uh, right now in the church, and it, you know, I say right now, it's really always that way, right? It's always that way where there's a struggle because the, Galatians says there's always a struggle, right? In fact, you know, I think it'd be good just to read that in Galatians chapter 5. Um, in, in Galatians chapter five, he said that um, uh, we read, in, we mentioned verse sixteen. This I say: Then walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So, number one goal: we should preach hard against sin. Is that right? No. Is that what it says? If you'll preach hard against sin, you'll not walk in sin. Is that what it says? No, because all you're doing is beating people up and putting them in fear. If your motivation to not sin is based on fear. Just general fear, right? Oh, I better not do that. You know, God won't like it. Um, then your your motivation is wrong. Uh, because if you walk in the spirit, there's no motivation to walk in the flesh. That's what he's saying, right? So if you could li- if you could walk in the spirit 100%, then how much sin would you commit? Zero, right? And and you get the advantage of you're fully in line with the will of God. That's a pretty good deal, right? If all you do is not sin, well, that doesn't mean you're walking in faith. It doesn't mean you're walking in kindness. It doesn't mean you're walking in love. It doesn't mean you do anything. It just means you're not shooting somebody or, you know, stealing candy. I mean, so that's not really all that impressive. The Lord's not impressed with you not doing bad things. The Lord wants you to be a person of faith. Amen. And he said uh, in verse 17, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary the one to the other. So they cannot do the things that you would. So how long has that flesh been against the spirit? How long has mankind been on the earth? That's the answer, right? Uh, as long as there's been men on the earth, there, there's flesh lust against the spirit, right? And spirit against the flesh. And he said the contrary. So can you have one? Uh, can you have them both? No, he said the contrary. So if you have one, do you have the other one? No, you can't have them both, right? Now you may have, you know, uh, uh, certain areas of your life that you've not overcome there yet, but, but uh, that conflict is always there. But if we yield to the flesh, I can guarantee you, everywhere that you yield to the flesh, there's no spirit. So if you yield to the flesh in worship, then there's no spirit in that worship. And if there's no spirit in that worship, God is not there. He only inhabits the praises of his people who worship him in spirit and truth. And so uh, how many churches are singing songs that God's not anywhere nearby? Right? Uh, and, you know, uh, we all, I think by law, were required at one time to sing out of a hymnal, right? Uh, and, you know... There are some good songs in hymnals. I mean, a lot of Charles Wesley's songs were amazing, right? Just, just uh, the words were amazing, you know. 
Uh, and and uh, I don't know where, where in the world we decided that an organ was required to play all songs, you know. You know, I mean, the guitar's okay every now and then, right? The piano with some strings is okay every now and then too, right? Uh, and so uh, there's no law that has to, kind of like the King James law, right? There's not a King James Bible, right? Uh, but, um, uh, but, but that conflict is always there. And uh, when we as the church and leadership are training you all how to be led by the flesh, then we're training you to be in conflict with your spirit. Because that's what he says, right? The flesh lusts against the spirit. There's an there's a argument there. There's a conflict there. There's a war there between your flesh, the sin nature in your flesh, and your spirit man who's made an image and likeness of God. Uh, and, and worship is, is such a key area that, uh, you know, in the world, they play all that, all, all that devil music, right? And people love it. You, you know, you hear some of the songs, it's like, especially the real devilish song, songs. You know, some songs just entertainment, whatever. But, you know, some songs, you, you know, the real devil screaming songs, you know. What is it that you like about that? And what it is they like about it? Because to me, it's so, it's so recoiling to my, to my spirit, man. Uh, because that type of song is there to maximize the flesh, right? And to minimize the spirit, to get the flesh so worked up that it has no concept or understanding or sensitivity to the spirit. And so uh, that's why it's so, so captivating to certain people. You know, you and I would listen and go, you know, that's, that's devil music, right? And, you know, there's a lot of Christian music. Well, that's devil music, too, right? I mean, you know, uh, some of the Christian rock and roll that they would sing over the years, it's like, well, you know, you sound just like the devil. I mean, I know it's got a Christian label on it, but it sounds like the devil, right? And if it sounds like the devil, you know what? It's probably the devil, right? I mean, it's just, is the motivation to maximize the flesh. If it's to maximize the flesh, then we're in conflict with the spirit. And if we could just, if we could learn Galatians 16 and 17, if the church could learn those two verses and understand the ramifications of those two verses in the area of worship, the church would significantly advance in their overcoming power and ability. Uh, and, uh, and so, you know, we, we'd, we're not made that way. I, you know, there's no way I could play a Joe Cochran song or whatever. I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's just... Uh, what in the world, you know? I mean, some things you just, some things I can understand, okay, they like this song, I don't like that song, you know? But then it's like, you're, you're playing secular music, it's like, what's wrong with you, right? I mean, I'm nobody's judge, and I, you know, none of my, I don't even know what church it was, but I just think, uh, you don't care about the people at all. You know, I care about you all. I desire for you to know the Spirit of God to become great overcomers. And I'm doing everything I can in my, in my ability to train you all how to sense the Spirit of God. And, you know, you all doing a great job. I got no, I'm not complaining at all. I'm just saying that's my desire. If, if I'm thinking, well, I can get more people if I get in the flesh. That means I hate you. That means I just want to use you. Because that means I, don't, I just want your money and I want your, your carnality. You know, uh, I just want what I can get out of you. I, I want you to fill up a seat and to, and to put money in, a, in the bucket and to make us have a build a big building and it means i don't care anything about you and it's just sad that the that the pastors are doing these things to the people and some of them don't know any better i'm sure but why they'd have the job i don't know you know i mean what motivated them to be a pastor some you know there's all kinds of reasons why i don't know uh, dr Dufresne asked brother hagan one time he said how many people that are in the pulpit shouldn't be there and brother hagan lowered his head and he said more than you'll ever know and why because for whatever reason, they just want to use people. 
And I know people right now that, that desired to be a pastor just so that you would give them stuff at birthdays and Christmas time, right? And that they would be special and you would do certain things for them and take up an offering for them every now and then and buy them a nice toy or whatever. And I mean, what in the world? You know, I don't want any of your stuff. I want your heart, you know. I want your hearts grown with the Lord. And, and, and so uh, it's, it's really more than anything, I think it's, it's a crisis of leadership in the church that we're, we're promoting that. And, um, and the Lord is so displeased because he said he seeks such to worship. That means he's, he goes right by a lot of church and goes, nope, nope. Joe Cochran never raised his hand to the Lord one time, right? I don't know anything about Joe Cochran. I mean, he could be a Christian for all I know, you know. Uh, and, you know, there's Christians who sing secular songs. And I mean, if it's just entertainment, I don't care, you know. But um, none of my business. But, um, but when we get inside these four walls, we elevate the most high God. And that's all we do, right? Anything else besides that is an affront to the Spirit of God. It's a shame to the church to even say such a thing. And Paul said, you know, some things we shouldn't even speak about. We should never mention the word Joe Cochran in church except to say we don't listen to Joe Cochran in church, right? If you listen to Joe I don't care if you listen to Joe None of my business if you listen to Joe Cochran on the radio at home, right? I don't care. None of my business, right? But he is not going to get me any closer to the Lord. Amen. Uh, and, uh, and I don't know Joe at all. So is he even alive anymore? I don't know. He's probably old. You know, who knows, right? And, and, and Joe, if you're listening, I'm not mad at you at all, you know. Uh, you know uh, and so he could be because there's a billion people on Facebook. So there you go. Uh, and, so I, and I'm not mad at anybody. But to me, it's such a shame that the, that the ministries do such a disservice to the people. Because it harms the people. Amen. And, and it shows such a lack of compassion and desire to help people if, you're more, if you care more about getting a seat filled than getting a heart filled. Uh, and and so, so we're going to keep on keeping on. Amen. We want the Lord to pause every time he comes by 1188 Market Street. Every time we strike a chord, we're going to go, hey, boys, I got to go right now. Somebody's worshiping me down in Dayton, Tennessee. I'll be back in a little bit. I'm going to go inhabit some praises. See y'all at lunch, right? Uh, and, you know, maybe he beats the Baptist lunch. I don't know. But um, uh, so uh, I didn't really intend to, to go back all over that again. But just, just uh, you know, sometimes you just go with the flow, right? We'll just, uh, so, but praise and worship is a type of prayer, right? It, it's, it's, it's communication to the Lord. The majority of our praise and worship is declaring the goodness of God. You know, sometimes we sing his praises, right? And praise, praise, worship, you know, traditionally praise music is more upbeat than worship music. I don't know. Is there a law? I don't know if there's a law that says it has to be, you know, that's, but, but you know, there's nothing wrong with, with uh, raising our hands and worshiping the Lord, you know, nothing wrong with dancing the Holy Ghost. I don't have any problem with that at all. Uh, but, um, but we will worship him in spirit and truth. Amen. Because we want him to be here. We want him to show up. Uh, and I believe he does. You, you all sense the Spirit of God when we sing. You know, I mean, I do. I guess every single time we sing, I sense the presence of God. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's always, to me, there's always a conflict. I could stay worshiping him all day. Man, I sure want to teach. I could worship him all day. But I really want to open the Bible, you know. So that's, that, that you know, uh, that, that's always, and that's just because I'm, that's what I'm called to do, right? And so, um, so I love worship. I love praise and worship. I love, I love being in the presence of God. Amen. Uh, and just and so praise God is the Lord good you know we're not mad at anybody amen 
but um, and don't say, well, you know, we're better than other churches. We're not better than other churches. We're just, we do what we do. Amen. Uh, we leave them do what they do and none of our business, you know, if they asked me, I'd tell them my opinion, but you know, my phone's not ringing off the hook or anything. So, um, you know, I just let them do what they do. Right. Uh, and uh, one of the greatest lies I believe that the devil's ever foisted upon the church is you can't argue with success. That's the biggest lie. I mean, because number one, we'll tell me what your measure of success is first. Right. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive the seed things offering. Uh, and, um, um, appreciate y'all's faithfulness in giving. Amen. Um, and we don't have an update on when we're getting the next batch of books there, but I'm kind of chomping at a bit. There's a lot of people who want to send those books to, and a lot of people have asked me about those books. So, um, we'll get them. I think they're going to be a, a, a great blessing to the body of Christ. Amen. Come ahead, Mr. Jared. Has everybody read their book already? hundred percent. Not all of it yet. I'm really disappointed. So you've been, you've had it for like a week. Uh, and so, um, um, so I may have to ask you to give them all back, right? <laughs> uh, but the Lord is good, amen? Uh, and so, all right, don't forget uh, Easter Sunday, this Sunday, right? Uh, and uh, if you want to dress in your prettiest dresses and suits, you know, it's fine. It, it doesn't matter to me either way. Um, but um, I don't know how that, did anybody know how that tradition started where you dress up really fancy on Easter? You know, I don't know, but I guess because sometimes people only go to church once a year, right? Uh, and so... Uh, but um, uh, anyway, Easter Sunday, Sunday, so we're looking forward to that. Y'all be blessed and uh, see you then.